everybody, and welcome again to the Intermillennium Media Project. This is Matthew Porter, born in the middle of the 1960s and representing Generation X. And with me is... Ian Porter, born in the early 90s and representing the millennials. And so what what have you subjected me to today, Father? Oh, it's always fun. In case you missed our first episode, the premise of this show is that I am abusing my parental power by subjecting my offspring, Ian. Hi. I am subjecting him to all of the media, all the TV shows and things that were so important in my youth. And that lets us do two things. One is it gives me an excuse to revisit these and determine, were these as good as I remembered them or as I thought they were when I was eight or nine or 12 years old, or were my standards lower then? And uh, also, do they stand up today to somebody who hasn't seen them before? Yeah. As a person who has seen references and bits of these things through the media minutiae that is online and such, I've picked up bits of things, but seeing where it actually comes from can be kind of intriguing. And what holds up and what falls flat can vary and shift over time. Now, if you were with us last time, you'll remember that what we talked about was a science fiction TV show. And I'll admit, if you stick with this podcast, you will hear us talk about a lot of science fiction TV shows. There was a lot of science fiction in my media diet when I was a kid. Dad, I can see the bookcases from here. There's still a lot of science oh, fiction in your media diet. No, no doubt about <laughs> it. We'll be talking about a lot of those. We do not plan, or should I say, we plan not to talk about the one that probably had the most influence on my youth, if only because there are enough people on the internet talking about this, and really, it doesn't matter how many spin-off series or Next Generations or J.J. Abrams reboots or Quentin Tarantino reboots you have, you don't need us talking about that. So there's one science fiction show we plan not to talk about. Yeah. I mean, Until I suppose we do. I mean, there, there's a lot of them. There's at least nine. Probably one <laughs> set in deep space. That might be cool. But. Right. <laughs> but we will talk about a lot of science fiction. But not tonight. Not tonight. Not on this podcast. Because on this podcast, we are going to talk about another kind of TV show that was an important part of my formative uh, years. And that is the crime TV show. Ooh. Mysteries. I, I gotta say, this is only our second episode but something about the format of this one in particular makes me feel like we're supposed to do the ending of our show first so that you see, and then we build up to it instead. <laughs> That's right. So we are going to talk about one of the longer-running crime TV shows out there. I hesitate to call it a mystery, and we'll talk about that, why that is in a minute. But we're going to talk about Columbo. Ooh, yay. When we decided to do this podcast, Columbo was definitely high up on the list, and what I didn't realize what the at the time was how much Columbo there was and is. <laughs> we ordered the complete series from Amazon, and this thing appeared on our doorstep. I think it weighs about 75 pounds. It has more DVDs than I've seen before in my life. And we're only into, like, the third season of Columbo. Oh, absolutely. That's certainly plenty to talk about, but it's huge. Oh, yeah. The the entire box collection of the series Columbo is large enough to be a murder weapon that would be used in an episode of Columbo. Oh, I like it that. It is of a specific scale where it becomes meta. <laughs> and what did we decide? What was the plural of Columbo? Uh, we debated whether or not Columbi was the plural. Oh, that's it. But yeah. 
I think I think it's Columbi. Columbi. Columbus Columbus is too awkward. It's, we we have watched many Columbi, and there are many more for us to watch. Columbusi. No. no. <laughs> Even having watched three seasons of Columbo, there is uh, so much to say about this because, on the one hand, it is influential. It does affect lots of the crime television that came after it. But on the other hand, it's never been duplicated. Nothing else had before or since was ever quite like Columbo in its in its format, its formula, and its characters. Yeah, it, I, I'm just seeing it. I'm already intrigued by the fact that it is not a whodunit. It's not. That's the amazing thing about Columbo. You can talk about Columbo and start out with... Here's the murderer. It was the doctor who planned to murder his wife and got his girlfriend to pretend to be his wife in order to cover for them. And they made a big fuss on an airplane in order to make people think his wife was still alive to skew the time of death and establish the doctor's alibi. You can say all of that up front like I just did and not spoil the show. Exactly. Because it's not a whodunit. It is, I, I believe the phrase you used when you first told me about this series was, it's a how catch em. That's right. It's a how catch em. Which it's- immediately made me flash to Pokemon, which is a whole other spinoff of Columbo looking a little too Pokemon trainer in that coat sometimes. But that's a side note. Oh. There's something about that. <laughs> Columbo is a Pokemon trainer. That works. I want to see that. <laughs> it's like, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Mr. Jesse. Uh, I, I appreciate you taking your time to talk to me about this. And you're, you're, um, Excuse me. Uh, your your associate uh, uh, James told me that you were in the cave attempting to catch the Charizard at the time of the murder. That's amazing. And you know, it's just a thrill for me to be talking to you because you know I've been doing a little of the Pokemon training myself. My wife thinks it's a good idea. Gets me out of the house when I'm off duty. I'm never going to be the best there ever was. But um, but yeah, it's 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 great to 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 be getting uh, tips from from professionals like yourself. So I'm wondering. Just this one little loose end in my mind. You said you were in the, you, the, the cave attempting to catch the Charizard, and which you didn't do because they're tough to catch. I understand that. But there was still a dusk ball in your inventory. And if you were in the cave attempting to catch the Charizard, now me, not knowing very much, I would have gone right to the dusk ball because you get the bonus in the, in the cave. Why is it that you didn't do that? Uh, uh, audience, two parts. One. Apparently, when I've spoken about playing this game, that's picked them more than I thought, because I didn't expect a Dust Ball reference, and that was very yeah, accurate to he, the gameplay. Also, yeah, he can do a really good impression. I don't know that, but I do know a little bit of Pokemon. Yeah. You're the, you're the only person in this house that's beaten the copy of Yellow. I, guess, I got yeah, caught on the Elite right. Four. I've played all the other games. You're the only person who beat the first one I ever owned, so... <laughs> But for Columbo, you're right. It's a how catch him. Columbo, the stories start with, here's the murder. Yeah. Often it's a premeditated murder with this complicated plan and plot to uh, establish an alibi and make sure the murderer gets away with it. Occasionally, it's a non-premeditated murder, and then there's a plan to cover it up. But it starts with the murder. The very beginning of the show, you know who did it, to whom, and how. Usually why. Columbo becomes this little archive of the the failures of convoluted smart people. A lot of the times it's people who are very smart in terms of like figuring out some things they can cover up and how to not be where they were 
in everyone's mind when something went down. And then it's the fact that they either overthink it or ignore the small obvious piece that's what actually causes their downfall. They're smart enough to set up an elaborate way to kill someone, but they get too tied up in it or they're too they've got too much pride about it and that's where he gets them and it's it, sometimes you can pick up early and like follow along with Columbo as to what it was when you're watching them perform the murder and sometimes you'll piece it together later as they reveal something of the Oh, that's where he's going to fall. And and that becomes the intrigue and the interesting part. Right. You often don't know at the beginning, what is the thing that's going to trip up the murderer? You know who the murderer is and you know about their elaborate plan. One of the things that you discover is what little loose end is there for Columbo mm-hmm. to, to grab onto and to not let go of until – he has it resolved, and he has explained the thing that makes it incontrovertible, that this is the person who did it, and here's the, the inconsistency that proves it. Oh, don't say things like that, really. You got me all wrong. It's just that I get bugged by those little things. Like, no connection, but why would a person look in the trunk of a car for a missing cufflink? And the one continuing character through the entire series is Columbo. Peter All Falk. of the other characters. Oh, He's Peter Falk. Awesome. He is amazing. He actually has this ability to be... He has a presence, but he has a presence that lets you think that in-world he doesn't. And that's an intriguing balance. It's being able to stand on a stage, or stand on a soundstage, and be the guy you focus on, but be the guy you focus on who looks like he should be able to just wander through because no one on the stage would notice him. And that's an odd but unique balance he's able to hit. And that's that's just the impressive part. And he's amazing at it. He also very much sells this, this strange Jedi ninja-like ability to just be someplace. You know, the murderer is like, I'm going to relax finally, walks into his office, and there's Columbo, like, sitting there doing a crossword puzzle waiting for him. And there's this little single moment where I just want to hear them say, damn it, how are you here? Because, <laughs> yes. I mean, he's usually able to pop up, oh, your secretary, let me, she let me in, she's a lovely lady. Like, things like that, but it's like, how are you here? You're not supposed to be here. Stop teleporting. <laughs> this is delightful. We, 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 are, we as the audience are rooting for Columbo, but the murder, like, you, you, there's almost, you can feel a frustration of the, how are you in this room again? Yeah, it's effective detection through being a ubiquitous pest. Yes. He is just never lets go, and he's always someplace inconvenient for the, the murderer. And somehow Columbo always knows early on who did it. And it really is just initially we're seeing Columbo figure out who did it, but most of it is watching Columbo figure out how to trip this person up, get a confession or otherwise prove that they in fact did it. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the pride that, that the, the murderers usually have and the absence of that that Columbo's got. And that's one of the keys. One of the Columbo's keys to success is he has absolutely no ego. 
Oh, yeah. He will take any insult and apologize. He will be self-effacing. He's just – he plays up that working-class, blue-collar detective, police officer kind of mm-hmm. attitude. Always puts himself down in, in uh, contrast to the, the usually wealthy people that he's investigating. Yeah, a lot of and, murder and money. And he, but, but he has absolutely no personal ego as a character through this. Intriguing example of that. He's constantly got some sort of reference or point of connection with what this part of society that this murder has taken place in. He's always got something to reference off of. But it's never himself. It's always my wife, my wife's friend, my cousin, my brother-in-law. It's always someone else. And he's always talking up someone else in his family or this circle of invisible friends who is knowledgeable or has run into something similar and that kind of humanizing, I can relate kind of point. But it's never him. It's never, it's never, oh yeah, I saw a game and I know what's going on in this baseball murder. It's, oh yeah, I got a cousin who used to get bats for this, this team. So he told me about this. And he was great at his job and such. And suddenly it's that, that distances him from the, the expertise he's then citing. It's always secondhand, and that's part of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's part of that self-denigration, that lack of, of ego. And for, for detectives in fiction, there's usually a, a couple of different approaches they can take. There's the Hercule Poirot kind of approach, which is, I am the smartest person you are ever going to meet in your life, so don't bother trying to hide anything from me because I'm going to figure it out. That works for Hercule Poirot. Oh, absolutely. With Columbo, it's, I am utterly baffled and I can't even keep my shoes tied, so you don't have to bother trying to hide something from me. There's usually a point in a Columbo where the murderer is almost feeling sorry for Columbo and trying to help him out a little bit. Oh, yeah. And the, the few episodes you ever see Columbo, like, so far, that we've ever seen Columbo, like, get mad and break that persona, it was intriguing because he suddenly turned into a little bit of like Hercule Poirot willing to throw a haymaker Mm -hmm. because like when something actually pushed him far enough in a couple of those and that he, he dropped what part of it is an act. It's a, no, I'm smart enough. I know you did it. I've already caught you twice and you slipped out and I'm not going to let you slip out a third time. You will go down if I go, and if I have to go down with you, I'll make it. Like, right. like, oh my word! <laughs> it all, yeah, he does sometimes really get tough and really get angry. It's usually toward the end, and it's about justice, it's not about personal ego. Yeah. <laughs> like I am expendable. I will be the kindling on the fire on which you burn. Kind of <laughs> like Columbo is angry going on here. There's an interesting way to look at Columbo's when you come, when it comes to story structure. But you can't really look at a Columbo as a mystery. To me, you can watch Columbo's. A Columbo episode is a tragedy in which the murderer is the protagonist. That's interesting. Especially, yeah. Yeah, especially depending on how you phrase it, then that puts Columbo himself as a man, but also possibly citable as some form of force of nature. Yeah, he, become, yeah. he becomes this like embodiment of the justice and karma and karma attacking you on your hubris. Yeah. It becomes that almost mythological figure in a way. And that works. And it's, I like yeah, that. it's a tragedy in that the protagonist <laughs> doesn't get what he wants. And 
it can take a half an hour into an hour and a half Columbo episode sometimes to actually meet Columbo because so much of it is about the setup and about the murderer and the victim. So the person that we're following from the beginning is the murderer. Mm-hmm. And the murderer has a plan and has a goal and wants to get away with it. And Columbo is the foil that comes in and, and he's the antagonist. Oh, yeah. It's, it's odd, but I completely get what you're saying there. It's rare that you want the, the murderer to win in a Columbo. They, right. make a, they do a good job of making these people unlikable in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to cite an episode. I, I thought that the first guy in uh, Prescription Murder... Because mm-hmm. I've got we've, I've got notes for we've got notes for each of the episodes we we watch for the first ones. I thought the guy was awful, and I like didn't. I was so like he's gonna go down, and they tricked me. They tricked me with a pair of gloves because you think that you can follow what, how he's gonna be defeated, and then he comes back in and picks them up. And part of me is like, okay, he's clever enough maybe to get away with it. It's first episode, so I'm. Still, like, learning to trust Columbo will succeed. And then it's, like, watching him try to succeed. Watching him break down and understand what Columbo's doing and try to fight back on it. And there's this weird, like, who am I rooting for? Because I want the me- I want this guy, this murderer to go down. But I keep being impressed with him. And that threw me at first, especially for a first episode. Mm-hmm. That threw me enough, and that set a tone for the rest of the series. It did, and that carried through. Even though that one, Prescription Murder, was the first pilot for Columbo, and they then made a second pilot in which they changed things a bit, and it's in that second pilot that you really get the Columbo character mm-hmm. we're used to. He's more of a, a straightforward police detective in the first one, but all the building blocks are there. You're absolutely right that 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 relationship that we have with the murderer and that Columbo has with the murderer too was, was already established there. Odd, but repeating point also murderers have very strange interior decorating. (laughs) I think that might be the sixties and seventies that has a strange decorating. Maybe, but first episode prescription murder guys, a psychiatrist, his psychiatry office is suits of armor and metal busts on the wall. (laughs) It is like, the room designed to make you the most nerve-wracked, anxious person ever. <laughs> and I can't tell if that is because he didn't care if he was helping or if it's there to just make sure that his patients can't get better yeah. so he keeps getting a mission. But it, it actually lost points and made me want him to be captured again. It's one of those, <laughs> no, I'm written for Colombo again. I saw yeah. your office. But also, like, that, I, I thought it was once, and then we keep getting to episodes and I'm like, okay, I've seen I've seen stuff from around this time, and you're just that one, like one HGTV program wrong. <laughs> it's like the '70s turned up to number twelve. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody has a bar. If you're wealthy and a murderer, your house must have an enormous bar. Oh yeah, and you're drinking all the time, which again, it might be just the '60s and '70s. I've got I've got a note here for one of the other episodes, which actually applies to later ones as well. Marble busts, op, please nerf. That that's also a thing. Lots of marble okay. busts and like, there's a lot more things that are of the right size to grab and hit someone with. <laughs> Maybe that's also just that time period. But it's like we we've we've murder proofed a lot more of home decorating. <laughs> it's not so much a target rich environment as a weapon rich environment. Yeah, exactly. 
But uh, yeah, these are definitely are uh, the, these shows are definitely artifacts of the seventies. The the like the first pilots were in the very late sixties, but it's really a seventies show. Although they kept making Columbos, if you include the last few TV movies, Peter Falk was still playing Columbo in two thousand three. They just kept going. And oh my word! I don't know how many. We'll, we'll get to those later ones eventually, but I'll watch as many as 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 many as they made. Oh, absolutely. And there's a certain love boat effect in Columbo in that you see a lot of actors you've seen before, a lot of people who had been big-time movie stars or TV stars 10, 15, 20 years earlier show up in Columbo as the wealthy victim or the murderer or some person who, who's a red herring. So it's kind of fun to, to see that happen as well. So you've got people like Ray Milland showing up. Big time movie actor, and now he's showing up as the the old rich guy in a Columbo episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun to watch because of that. And on the flip side, you can see people earlier in their career, like the first one that was after the pilots, directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, in some ways, the Columbo formula works better for that because the people who are just starting out in something get a chance to be part of this mystery and such, but can almost not get stuck with something since you already have the murderer listed you already have that they can just be a concerned family member or a victim or a point along the trail for the capture and that lets them act without getting stuck as oh you were the murderer in that one thing and i also saw plenty of instances where you don't have the oh the show's ruined because your guest star of course was the killer (laughs) right Oh, wait, the guest star was the killer is the first thing you see before Falk ever walks onto the set. That actually skips one of these major problems that you'll see in these other shows, you know, NCIS and the like, where, oh, yeah, we've got a guest star. It's like, well, great, you're dead or the murderer, and we're not going to know till the end that it, unless you're the murdered, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, if you're, if you're the big name star in this episode of most shows, you're not just a red herring. You're yeah. either the victim or the murderer. And thinking about that one that was by Steven Spielberg, uh, Murder by the Book, has a, a, a thriller or mystery writing team who's breaking up because one of them wants to do solo projects. And one thing you can learn from this is if you are having a bad breakup with a business partner, if the business partner invites you to a remote cabin and then invites you to sit down on a sofa that is covered in thick plastic, don't do it. That's usually not a good sign. Yeah, no. I, oh, and both both that one and the one before it teach us a valuable lesson of Columbo, a valuable lesson for anyone in a Columbo th- story that wants to commit a murder. Do not date the witnesses. There have been multiple episodes where deciding to get romantically and r- less often financially involved with a witness or relative of your victim, (laughs) is one of the major points of your downfall. Do not date the witnesses. And I guess that kind of comes in with the theme that you were talking about before, which is that pride. This, mm-hmm. these, The murderers are usually very smart and or wealthy and or powerful people who have thought this out very, very carefully. Most of the for most of the show, the murderer doesn't think that he or she is in any real danger. Oh, because... Yeah. I've got my great plan. There's this goofball detective who's sniffing around, has no idea that I did it. Uh, so I'm going to do whatever I want. And if that means you know, having a relationship with somebody who can get me some more money or more power, great. Little do they know. 
And there's also the fact that Columbo will keep asking questions. He will pester. I've got a count here in one of the episodes where uh, he says that he won't ask any more questions. And then I started taking tally marks. Because suddenly he asks six more questions and four things that might be counted as secondary questions or parts of initial questions. So somewhere between six to ten more questions after saying I won't ask any more questions. And that is so much Columbo's method. He will keep poking until it crumbles. He'll find the thing, and most of the time the murderer will have some way to cover it. They'll give an excuse. They'll give something about like why that's... You know, oh, yeah, you're just... Like, anyone would be there for that thing, because of course they would. Oh, yeah, you're right, of course they would. You wouldn't have been there, is Columbo thinking in the inside of his head. <laughs> That's interesting. I never thought about it that way, and just the sheer number of questions he asks. But oh, it's yeah. true, and so many of them are weird and trivial. Maybe that's how he catches people off guard, in that if he asks this many questions, it's hard to know which ones are important. And maybe it's question number 16 out of 30. That is the one question that really relates to the way he's going to catch this criminal. So there's always the oh, oh, one, one more thing kind of uh, uh, thing. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be apologizing. I won't bother you anymore. I'm going to leave. I'm halfway out the door. I'm already out the door. And then he turns around. There's just one more thing that's bothering me. A little loose end. It's the, I can't sleep at night unless I get these straightened out. And then he asks the question that's later on we find out is so vital. Oh, absolutely. But at the time it was asked, the killer just wants this detective gone and will say, answer whatever questions he's got if it'll make you go away. Side note, I want to take editing software. I want to put together a little clip compilation of Columbo and Uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures having a conversation. Because he'll just be, one more thing. Oh, yeah, just one more thing. One more thing. Just one more thing. For like half an hour. (laughs) Can we add Steve Jobs? We can, yes. (laughs) Another one more thing? (laughs) Columbo and Uncle go to an Apple conference in in the aughts. Just one more thing. One more thing. (laughs) One more thing. And you'll see a lot of things in, in Columbo that you'd see in other crime TV shows of its time, the pot point radio station where you turn it on, it tells you what you need to know to move the pot forward, things like that. There are, there are some clumsy storytelling, but the characters, both the guest stars and Peter Falk, oh, the yeah. performances and the characters they play just pulls it along through. Like, oh, we've had a murder. Oh, I'll send someone from Hot Side. Roger. No, Roger's not available. We're going to send the show's namesake. <laughs> The characters, the reveal every time. It's his, he's the namesake. Every time, the way Columbo enters is interesting. Pulls up and is doing something else, or walks in amongst a group of other police officers, and he's always got the brown jacket. He's always got this oh, yeah, long, that, that ratty raincoat. Right? This long, ratty raincoat, which means that even amongst a room full of police officers, you can pick him out from the crowd. Yep. But it's not this crisp suit or something. This ratty raincoat that makes him look like the one who's not supposed to be there amongst his co-workers or the people lower on the totem pole than him. He could be standing next to... He's there, the Lieutenant Columbo. He could be standing next to a beat cop. And the beat cop looks like he's more authoritative than Columbo does. And that's, yeah, that's kind of what we've been getting at here. And we see that change throughout the the series, too. Early on, 
There are plenty of times where Columbo shows up at the crime scene and the police officer who is controlling access is telling this guy who just showed up, you can't park that car here. This is crime scene. You got to go over there. Please get out of here. And then Columbo, still very self-effacing. I'm sorry. You're just trying to do your job. Explains that he's from homicide. He's the detective who's here to investigate. Sorry, sir. Huh? For what? That spot's reserved. Oh, I see. All right. Uh... Uh, who was it reserved for? The police. Well, I think I'm the one that you're waiting for. I'm a, a lieutenant. I'm, my name is Columbo. Well, oh, sorry, lieutenant. Uh, I was expecting an official car. Over time, seems like people in the LAPD are recognizing Columbo <laughs> more. Maybe that's just because they did the cop thinks Columbo's a hobo joke and they don't want to keep doing it. Mm. But that's definitely changed. It, it's strange. But there's actually continuity because we saw later episodes where he'd refer back to murders we saw, saw him solve earlier in previous seasons. We'll see him pick up a bit of learning about how something is and then not be phased by it when it shows up later in another scenario. And we see his prestige in the, the police rise as Oh, Lieutenant Columbo, good to see you. Becomes the the greeting, becomes the people know him. And that's weird to be able to have a show that is simultaneously distinctly status quo in the murderer murders, thinks they get away with it, force of nature Columbo arrives and some, and they go down because of their small failings in and the things they overlooked. To have continuity within that is rare. It is. And any kind of continuity in a series where you've got one single recurring character, period. And that you compare that today where you've got these huge ensemble shows and the continuity is all these different personal stories. The continuity is the development of this one character and seeing him learn as he's gone through all these cases. That's amazing. It's a formula you just don't see much anymore. No, and it would be hard to do without seeming like a complete ripoff from of Columbo. Yeah. It would be hard to do anything like this, even in terms of the Hal Ketchum structure, uh, without immediately anybody who's seen Columbo immediately thinking, oh, they're doing Columbo. I think there's there, – there, there, we can get to this later when we talk about uh, the fate of this show, but um, there's also talk about other actors playing this role, and I'm not sure how that would work. And we do start to see a little bit – Columbo is sort of – he always identifies himself as Lieutenant Columbo. Early on, it was just, I'm from the police. Later on, he starts to talk about LAPD homicide. But you're right about force of nature. He just appears and solves a crime. Uh, General Hollister? Yes? I'm from the police, sir. My name is uh, Columbo. Lieutenant Columbo? And he's from the police. Very gen- Very generic. But later on, we do start to see him interacting with his superiors. There's a story in which the crime involves threats on the life of a U.S. Senate candidate. And, of course, the the brass from the LAPD get involved. And you get the impression from the little bit of interaction we see that they don't have a lot of patience for Colombo, but they recognize that he gets things done and he solves cases. Yeah. There was a little bit of a... The same things that make him such a good detective are not something he can turn completely off. 
Yes. Some of that same, like, noticing the small things and that wander from point to point in the way he needs to is there there's there's some of his him doing his job this affectation that we see because we can see him turn off parts of it but there's other parts that are just him and you get the feeling that when he's doing his job those are boons when he is not on the case they are brilliant co-worker annoyances <laughs> they're brilliant ways to get someone especially higher up really, really peeved at the fact that you're once again wandering around picking stuff up like that. Can you just not? And I I think you're right. I absolutely believe Columbo when he says that these loose ends bother him and he can't relax and he can't stop thinking about it until this one detail is explained. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really how his mind works, which is what makes him a a great detective like this, because he is dogged. He's, he sees an inconsistency. He's not going to let it go. We never see Columbo not working on a case with so much crime fiction and crime television. These days you see into the personal lives of the detective. We never do with Columbo and kind of makes you wonder, is he okay? When he's not on a case, mm-hmm. you're right. He's going to drive his coworkers crazy. But what about himself? I don't know. Well, he talks about his wife, true, on a very regular basis, and there's there's always small frustrations or things going on. But it's obviously things are going well enough at home because you know she's asking him to pick up like milk and bread on the way back from the crime scene and things like that. So it's not negative, but. He doesn't talk about like hobbies or anything. True. He, he he in some ways the other shows have to do that to humanize their detectives. Mm. The humanization of Columbo comes in his everyman observer quality. And they only need a little bit of that. Too much would ruin that that Columbo pop up in the in the room and ask 12 questions and wander off and somehow be in the same room again an hour later kind of strange force of nature skill he has. Are you saying that I shouldn't worry too much and he's not out hitting the cocaine like Sherlock Holmes when he's not in a case? It is the 70s and the 80s, so, but still, he probably not. Yeah, probably not. Um, Columbo seems like a little bit more of a build a ship in a bottle kind of guy. <laughs> I could see Columbo with, like, a bunch of testers paints and some model figures and doing that, just because that would at least be putting something together and a lot of loose, fiddly bits to do. So, like, Jethro Gibbs from C- uh, NCIS, but not full-size boats, just little ships and bottles? Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Although, now I'm imagining, like, Columbo set now and what sort of hobby he would have. And I don't know. Columbo collecting Magic the Gathering cards doesn't fit. There are some Columbos in which part of the the cover-up leads to a second murder, and that always changes things to me. Yeah, I don't like those ones as much. There's something about either the unpremeditated murder and the attempt to cover it up by crafting an alibi or by trying to get into the good grace, graces of the the one witness who might be able to provide the police information. Note again. Do not date your witnesses. Moving on. <laughs> there's, a, there's a simplicity to that that mm-hmm. works. 
whereas once the the killer starts committing additional murders, on the one hand, the stakes are higher. We know this criminal is not uh, averse to killing again. But on the other hand, it doesn't have that simple cat and mouse. I know what you did. I know how you tried to cover it up. I just need to find the the detail that's going to prove that you did it. There's four different configurations there then. There's the premeditated. There's the in the moment. Then there's the premeditated with an in the moment as part of the, the way it plays out. And then there's the in the moment that is attempted to be covered up with a premeditated. And that fourth one is rare, but that fourth one can be interesting. Yeah. The few instances where we watch as the first murder that got them into this trouble was the one that was not planned out. But in order to cover it up and a bit of a, there's already one thing set of blood on my hands. They're willing to take extra steps to make a second one play out more precisely that one can still maintain some intrigue because then the 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 cat and mouse starts after the second in some ways. It's when yeah. the cat and mouse is interrupted by the the sudden oh yeah, and I hit this guy with a thing. Once again, home interior decorating of deadly blunt objects. But <laughs> I hit this guy with a thing because he said he was a witness. That's when it starts to lose something. So you've still got that cold, calculating, intellectual competition, but it doesn't start until after the crime of passion. Mm-hmm. And there's the cold, calculating steps that are taken to hide the culpability for that crime of passion. Mm-hmm. Even if there was only one dead guy, intriguingly enough, there was one of the episodes which involved a murder at a winery. And oh, that one yes. was a very great, great one in terms of that, because... The initial attack, which actually was not fatal, but still the initial attack was a crime of passion hitting a guy with a phone. Mm -hmm. And then you immediately see this guy think it out, realize what he has available, and create actually one of the most brutal murderings in the show (laughs) with a slow suffocation over the course of a week in a cellar. Yeah, and locks the guy in a, uh, locks a guy in a cellar with no ventilation so that he suffocates slowly and then stages a scuba diving accident. And right there, it's like, that one still had the intrigue because there was a long delay between the first attack and the setup of the thing. Enough that I can almost see them as two different instances. There was the attack of passion and there was the calculated murder aspect. The fact that those had... It in that order with enough distance, it would have worked better. It, it worked. It, it worked great there. If it had gone the other way, if he'd had a cold, calculating way to kill him, and it didn't work, so he hit him over the head, it wouldn't have been as good. That's an interesting one. The one with the winery with Donald Pleasance as the uh, the killer. And on the one hand, as you say, it's it's one of the more brutal murders that oh we goodness. see, and yet they build this relationship between Columbo and this murderer, and they almost make you sympathize with the murderer's initial motivation, at least, of having his family's business taken away from him. But it really was a a terrible crime, and even so, Colombo seems to have a little more sympathy for the murderer than he does for most. Yeah, that one is... I, 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 I forget who wrote that, but it was an interesting... It's 
hard to figure out, hard to figure out, like, why am I feeling what I'm feeling while I'm watching this? Mm -hmm. And that one also shows one of Columbo's other skills, which is the fact that Columbo is an amazing study. Yes. Columbo starts out the episode knowing nothing about wine, and then crash courses everything he can. So that even if he doesn't know as much as most of these people, he is able to talk shop with other people in this wine industry in like a course of two days or something. My friend, they tell me that you know more about wine than just about anybody. Correction. Than anybody. I want you to teach me everything you know. (laughs) It took me 40 years to acquire my expertise. Well... What can you do in an hour and a half? I think you're really gonna like this wine. It's, uh... Oh, don't tell me. Let me guess. (laughs) Sensitive breeding. Rich bouquet. Strong venosity. Well, it's a burgundy. I'm just not sure whether it's a Pinot Noir or a Gamay. That's really excellent. You astound me. It is, in fact, a Pinot Noir. How'd you guess it? I know Cassini only makes three red wines. Two Burgundies, Pinot Noir and a Gamay, and one Claret, Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, you served me the Cabernet Sauvignon the other day. It didn't taste like this. So I know that this has to be a Burgundy. And it's either a Pinot Noir or a Gamay. You really are a sly one, Lieutenant. And that right there, especially during that time where he's having to hunt down information from sources and from books without the ease of some of our modern searching and such, he's hunting that down to that level of detail and like information precision and memorizing and learning all of that that quickly is part of what makes him so formidable. It's if, you know, I, I will keep pestering you till I find the crack. I will use any information I have, but I won't admit that I have it. I won't be the one to say, I know this thing. I'll be the one, I'll say, oh yeah, I know a guy who knows a thing and he told me this. And if I don't have that, I will find a guy that I can then have gotten this thing from, and I will learn it well enough to do what I'm doing right now. And that is a a level of determination and doggedness don't see elsewhere. If he doesn't have it, if he doesn't have what he needs to do it, he will find it and he will use it. You're right. We get enough glimpses of the other kinds of work we're doing. We see him talking with the the the, the killer or with the witnesses and using that those conversational gambits. But we see enough of that behind the scenes stuff to know he's doing a lot of detective work that we don't see. Looking up facts and figures and weather and all these details that go into informing all these questions that he asks. But that was one where we really see him learn and a, a new body of knowledge because he needed it for this mystery. That's one of the fun things about the series, too, is that every mystery, every uh, episode, 
is set in some different world, the world of, of wineries, of movie production, of psychiatry, heart surgery. We're seeing little glimpses into all these other worlds. And Colombo has to learn a little bit about them, but we also see that people are people no matter what world they're in, and he knows how to deal with people. Yeah. I'm just imagining, like, a modern set Colombo and, like, a murder at a small tech firm. And, like, Colombo doesn't know what he's talking about, but then a couple days later he comes back knowing Java, like the back of his hand, just to be able to prove that someone didn't write the code because they didn't notate something. That, that would be him now, <laughs> and that's amazing. Well, I think that might bring us to our closing questions. Oh, absolutely. We have some important questions that we need to answer, or at least weigh in on, for every one of these old TV shows that we're going to be watching, and that is Revive, Reboot, or Rest in Peace. What should be done with this show? Revive means, let's bring it back with the same cast, as much of the original as we can, let's start making it again. Reboot means, let's do a new version, let's reimagine it, let's new cast, new approach, new writers, but there's something in that show that we want to preserve and, and try again. And then there's Rest in Peace. This show was good, it had its, or was not good, had its time, it should be allowed to remain. What do you think for Columbo? Revive, reboot, or rest in peace? Oh, this is a this is a tricky one. A lot of the times, I also look at this from my own perspective with media, merchandise, and brand. I don't look at it as just a show on its own. I made comments about action figures and toys, other episodes and such. And on this one, I looked it up, and there's still actually, and there's a growing interest in it. I saw plenty of shirts and plenty of things, and that's all current. That's all recent. It's not a show that is a bunch of stuff from when it was out. It's a bunch of people interested in it now. And that makes me think that the best answer is to split the difference. And I want to reboot Revival. And what I'm saying is this. And you know, I know, I know. Yeah, it's how does that work? It's the second episode and I've already ruined your system, <laughs> Dad. This is, this is what I do. I want to see a, a reboot. I want to see it start over in some ways, but I don't, I want it to be a revival in the sense of, I don't want to ignore the entire series before it. And part of that is because Peter Falk was Columbo. I don't think you can do this with someone else as Columbo. And that kind of ruins the revive idea, doesn't it? We don't right. have Peter Falk anymore. He's no longer with us. Right. But I think that what you can do is set the little bit of a world and flavor Falk and Columbo as a series had to the entire thing. That kind of world where this character could be and be as great as he was at what he was doing. And you could reboot by having maybe a little bit more of a modern murder mystery cast taking over and following his footsteps. I want to see a group Maybe if you don't want to have just one person, you can have a small rotating group of a homicide division that's following this Columbo method that they, that they, the department learned oh. watching him. Some young detective is going back through all these cases by a Lieutenant Columbo and uh, amazed at how he was able to close them. Yeah, and you can have a little bit more of a, a recurring group of maybe this they've got a tech guy and a this and a that, a little bit more of a a modern and on-camera replacement for the, oh yeah, my wife said something. But having someone else stepping into his shoes as that part. 
give us that same murder first, solve and catch order. Give us that structure, but have it being a you know, rising through the ranks in the footsteps of Lieutenant Columbo could be the way to bring this show back. And if everyone, if there's already this interest in it for a bunch of people refinding this show, as I'm seeing online, it's primed for that. There's an opportunity to create that. It's a reboot, but it's not ignoring what is, was there before. Okay, so it kind of uh, avoids the problem I talked about before about any show that tried to use this pattern, this formula, would immediately be tagged as a, a, a an attempt to do Columbo or a Columbo ripoff. You avoid that by saying, "Well, this is the Columbo world, and it is based on the Columbo formula." Exactly. We're proud of that. That's interesting. That's the only way I could imagine doing certainly anything remotely like a revival. So that is interesting. I, I think it's crazy. I don't think it would work, but it's an, it's an approach I had not uh, thought of. Yeah, I, as I say, I don't think you could do a revival. You don't have Peter Falk. You don't have yeah. Columbo. I wouldn't be crazy about seeing a reboot. I, I heard somewhere people talking about a reboot of Columbo with Mark Ruffalo. Does anybody in the world who could do it, he could? If yes. But still, I'd rather him do new stuff. Don't, don't do Columbo. Columbo is Columbo. Yeah. I've I've got to come down on the rest in peace for Columbo, not because it isn't good, but because it is good and it is unique and there's no way to reboot it or revive it. Keep it in print on DVD. Go order this gigantic doorstop from Amazon if you're interested. But I, I don't think they should try to make more if they don't have the pieces that make it what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. I can completely understand where you're coming from that. And definitely if they were to do anything else with it, it wouldn't be the same. And it would be too easy, especially with people who don't, especially with a production that doesn't understand how much of the character was how Peter Falk portrayed him. Yes. I could definitely see them going awry and not making something that was, was doing what it needed to if they tried to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So m- maybe, maybe the rest in peace is the safer choice for preserving what is there and not twisting it. We didn't even touch on it, but I know that there was an attempted spinoff that I have heard nothing but eh, about. Oh, Mrs. Columbo. Yeah, I think yeah. that might be a that, we might have to do a sequel series, a sequel set at some point, and take a look at those because if that is as I hear, it won't be as. Yeah, I, I, I you're right. We should talk about that as a separate yeah. thing, but it, it wasn't successful. But that's not the same thing as being bad. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that is all for for this time. Hope you've enjoyed the Intermillennium Media Project, episode number two. We do have hours and hours of Columbo uh, yet to watch, but I think we might be taking a break from that so we can watch something else from my past so we can come back to you with another podcast before too long. Yeah. So that's all for me, Matthew Porter. And Ian Porter. Thanks, everybody. Have a nice night. And go find something new to watch.